Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's episode is a special emergency breaks up the schedule routine of our other, <laughs> you know, episodes. So this might be out of order compared to the last, the next one that I have, I have to put this together in my head. <laughs> the one that is scheduled to come out Tuesday will not come out Tuesday. This one will be there instead. And then, so if you guys hear us talking about what we did last week, I'm not sure what we did on the next episode, but it's, it's inaccurate. There might be some references that are... <laughs> Now suddenly dated. Yeah, so. I'm sorry about that. I, I think maybe the title of this should be How to Crash Your Book into a Wall at 100 Miles an Hour and Break Everything that You've Done for the Past Five Months and Then Walk Away. I know you don't watch Parks and Rec, but you're about as good as co- with coming up with titles as Leslie <laughs> is coming up with the headlines for newspapers. It's like... I lack pith. Yes. I am not pithy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, we're going to switch up the routine a little bit and talk about what I did last week because Holly uh, has has altered things, but this is just for this week. So um, let me get to my page here. I am all of luster. Okay. So Monday I finished Lesson 14, which was huge for me because that was the conflict tracking and that one I had been kind of on for a while. It wasn't like I was stuck on it, but I was kind of running up against it and stagnating against it just a little bit with the other things going on in my life. Then Tuesday I did 15 and 16 and I started Lesson 17, which is the actual cut. So I was really excited. I know on that first day I got the very first, the opener scene done and it felt great. Um, I had the words written down here. They're in the other page. I mean, I think like I got maybe roughly 5,000 words done last, last week. Um, because Wednesday was one scene that had already been written was revised and then three new scenes. And I'm really, really getting super duper fucking excited when I'm reading, like, and and write, not reading, but writing the new scenes. Because, again, all of this work that goes into that three inch thick binder of notes for Fulton Hills and the House on Andrews Ave has really just helped me hone in and focus. I cannot thank you enough. And, like, I cannot speak enough to the power of how to revise your novel. The, the way that I was able to just hone in and focus on what I want the book to be and what I meant it to be and even find ways to make it better. Um, 
so Thursday I got two scenes done. One, I actually, 90% of it was going to be new. So I had to just sit there and on the computer and write out the first part because it was all going to be new. And mm -hmm. if you don't, if you haven't taken how to revise your novel, Holly does longhand, but I can't do longhand physically because my hands go numb, my my wrists kill me, that sort of thing. I, I can only do moderate amounts of handwriting. So this is one of the ways that I've adapted what she teaches for my situation. But yeah, I definitely suggest giving it longhand a shot first. Um, so that was my week. I got a lot done. I'm finally into the cut of The House on Andrews Ave, and I cannot wait to get this into the hands of the readers that are going to help me make it better, like you and Matt first, and then my bug hunters. I am so excited. I am and this so is going to be a big too. book. I am so looking forward <laughs> to reading this. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I almost forgot. I got to actually knock off the first page of my outlo out focus outline. Oh. I got through an entire page of my focus outline. Hoot. In revisions, yeah. Hoot. That's kind of a neat way of tracking it, even though I have like 87 scenes. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. All right. So how was your week, Holly? Um, my week was painful, exhausting, frustrating, heartbreaking, and then wonderful and exhilarating. And the short thing is I absolutely broke the shit out of Dead Man's Party to the point where I can't write it. I, I, I am well you could you could actually physically write I it. I could actually physically write it because I found out where it's going I found out where it has to go but it is no longer a book I can I can love yeah so you it's, will not I will not write it right yes. so um I pulled the Ohio novel out of storage where it's been sitting while I have been working on Dead Man's Party and I did the complete read-through and the complete write-in of that novel in three days using the same process Rebecca is using but I've been a doing this speedier, for a really long yeah. time so yeah uh, you have a much faster more compact version because you've been revising for 30 something years yes yes so I have I do the the, the process is completely adaptable and while she's doing what your your second revision using the process or four, third third revision using yeah. the process this is about my 30th or 35th or yeah i was gonna God say probably number. closer yeah. to 40 because i mean you're looking oh, at oh god i'm probably almost 50 at this point yeah yeah because you've you've got <laughs> i've got a lot what, of shit out there yeah <laughs> i really do so okay but now let me get back into the details because um this is about the fact that you have to write what you love and sometimes in making the book better you can make it not the book you want that not not the book you can write anymore because and it's, so it's the me, true soul of the of the book but but before you get into that I want you to clarify for people the difference between quitting something because it is not the right book and quitting something because it is hard okay um there are times when you're going to say, oh, God, I don't know what to do next. I can't figure out. I, I, I am just so frustrated. This is breaking my heart. This is, I just don't know what happens next. Um, you keep going with that. You maybe take a break. 
you walk around a little bit, you ask yourself better questions, but you don't quit. I found the abs. Well, I, I this part of this now is this is I'm going to walk you through what tells you that this is not the the novel that you need to write. Um, that this is a novel. See, I'm going to give this this book because it really is a good book. It's just not a book I can write anymore. Yeah. So I'm. I talked to my son. Um, my idea. Yeah, Becky's idea, because I was going, my God, you know, I don't know what to do with this, because it's, it's good, and there are parts of it that I absolutely love, but um, this one thing, I'm going to go into the one thing that changed, and it was just three words, um, this one thing made it a book I can't write anymore, because I will hate my life if I do, and she said, well, Mark likes that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is it, that that sounds like something Mark likes. Yeah. That's a family inside joke, but seriously, it it's it is his kind of thing. And I mean, who knows if he'll do anything? You know, if 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 he does, that would be amazing. And he can change. It's it's like Ghosts and Gremlins when you gave it to me. I could change mm-hmm. whatever I want. It's it's right. no longer the book that you are fully attached to. So you have that distance, which is great. Right. Right. But yeah, let's explain. Go ahead and explain why. Yeah. Well, here is, I have been struggling, and I do mean struggling, with the revision of Dead Man's Party for months. Um, And it was so hard for me that I actually thought I had forgotten how to revise a novel, that I had lost the process somewhere in the back of my mind. Um, And it isn't even that it's been so long since I've done it. It's just the process felt broken to me. Yeah, and Um, you, you... That's that's one real big key right there is all writing is going to make you doubt yourself a little and then you overcome mm-hmm. it and then you're like you're stronger for it. But for you to be so many years in struggling on this thing for months and months and then also think that like you've forgotten how to revise entirely. Yeah. Those are big red flags. Yeah, those are. This is this is something deep and dark is wrong in the bottom of my soul. <laughs> and, and that isn't even an exaggeration because no. I was actually physically depressed about this. Um, and I had had this breakthrough. I think it was even last week that we talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. Where I had had suddenly um, just hit this point where I had one, the, the main character connect with um, one of the cannibals, and she discovered something. And I thought, yes, this is the turnaround. This is where it gets right. And then I asked myself a really important question. And this is this is where where finding out that it might be a great book, but it's not the book for you, might happen, is uh, you ask a question about a character uh, at the midpoint that simultaneously makes him come to life and makes the book something that just appalls you. And I ask this question about my villain. Um, Because of three words that this one character said my my main what was the question that you asked and then the answer yeah um i said well how much the question that i asked to the character was well you know how much of this shit do you remember and the three words that actually got written into the book was she remembers 
she remembered everything. And it turned the novel from this kind of strange, um, okay, post-apocalyptic, zombie, cannibal, AI, um, artificial intelligence, science fiction, live RPG, romance. Into horror. An, yeah, and into, but it really wasn't horror up so until. You, last week you said that it was going to have to be horror because was, of the yeah. scene you wrote. Right, yeah. because of that, because of that. But I was thinking, you know, horror, Stephen King horror. No, no. This became extreme horror because I understood suddenly what the villain was doing and that he was getting, he had this like live clip of the most horrible things the people were doing that he was making them do, that he was getting this live feed that he could watch all of the atrocities and he was getting his jollies from that. And at that point I couldn't write it anymore. Yeah. It was just, uh, that's just, you know, it's, it is going to be a really, it, it has the potential to be a really good book, but not a really good book for me. Yeah. So that's, that's a good way for people to kind of sit there with what they're writing and realize that as a writer, you can write in any genre. You mm -hmm. can, as long as you know, you read and you, you know, the genre as well, and you know the story you're telling, but it's, should you? And that's not really a word that we like to use, should. Right, it's not, it's not the ethics of it. Yeah, you yeah. have every right in the world to ask yourself, should I be doing this? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the very rare instances where should is a good word. If somebody says, oh, you should write, oh, you should draw, oh, you should, you know, <laughs> clean your house more. You should, you should shut up a rope and die. <laughs> yeah, you, you should yeah. just... Just shut up and stop telling me what I should do and yeah. tell yourself what you should do. Exactly. But when it comes to, it's not can I, it's not will I, it's sometimes it's should I. Yeah. And if a story, if what makes your story amazing also is something that breaks you, if it's something that goes against your very grain, writing it will be utter torture. And it's not a story you need to tell you, you this is this is throwing back to our uh christmas episode well holidays episode but it was i think it came out christmas eve it was the how to turn what you love into what you write mm -hmm. if you are finding that you are writing things because of the wrong reasons that's a good episode to go back and listen to um this is really, really what happens when you don't write what you love. Yeah, this is this is kind of how to turn what you write into what you hate. <laughs> yeah, but you started off with this really cool premise that you really loved. Yeah. And then you let the story go where it was going. Mm -hmm. And then it added more and more and more bad things happening to people. And then... Well, I started asking more honest questions about, okay, well, if this happened, what would the actual fallout of that be and then and I was getting some some much darker stuff mm -hmm. and at the point where I was getting some much darker stuff I was saying I, I just said well you know what's the villain getting out of this and that at that moment it was it was after well you know what does this character know she remembers everything 
then why does she remember everything? And it, then it was because this is what the villain is doing. And at that point, he was he was worse and more horrible than any written villain I have ever written before. And I've written some nasty villains. And it required, the story at that point required the showing of what he was doing. And I just, I got, I started, I sat there and I was crying. Um, I said, no, I, I just, I can't, I can't do yeah. this. Matt came down the stairs and I said, look, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm having a real faith issue here right now a, a real crisis of faith in my ability to even write this thing he says then don't <laughs> sounds like tony <laughs> you know then don't he says you've had the ohio sitting on your hard drive for six months just sitting there and yeah you, yeah he says so what are you doing and i said well i promised that i was going to finish this and you know for the class he says you just use the ohio novel that you didn't three freaking days as the as the yeah. advanced version of of yeah. that if you wanted to put the demo in there yeah the reading and write through that's yeah that i can just go through the steps of the reading and write through of that thing that i did in three days which is something that the first time you go through it takes about seven can, months to, yeah, yeah it can take yeah if you if you do it with with the um course it's it's probably like four or five months if you mm -hmm. keep up with it but yeah. Those one Bs, as people are talking about, are. <laughs> I yeah, think one B has become a form of profanity. <laughs> I yeah, one B, but I think sets and stages also like they don't take as long as the one Bs. But if you're mm -hmm. doing them right and you're you tend to be a white space writer in your first draft, like me, mm -hmm. the sets and stages, while amazing and eye opening and deepening, are also you know like being chained to a desk <laughs> and slamming your head into a monitor yeah, every the, single time. The advantage of this is that every time through you, you go through the mm -hmm. process, you find less to fix yeah, because you because have you, learned. Yeah. Yeah. The pain of the first one teaches you so much that you will never do again. So, there are some things that I definitely did not do again. <clears throat> and I'm looking forward to making less mistakes in the next book yeah yeah and that was basically the thing with the the ohio novel is that uh there was there were a few things i had to fix but it was almost ready to go that's cool yeah well i have i have beaten myself to death with this process many times yeah. and i have i have <laughs> unlearned a lot of bad habits <laughs> which so, is not, yeah anyway yeah. yeah so so i had I knew that my answer was right. I knew that it was absolutely perfect. And in the moment that I knew that it was perfect, I knew that I couldn't unsee what I'd seen. I couldn't unmake the villain. I knew yeah, what you he couldn't was. weaken him. No, I couldn't weaken him because I went in that moment when I saw what he was, I saw that he was the perfect villain for this book. But but I was going to have to show and I just, I was an ER nurse, man. I have seen some serious shit. I have been elbow deep in other, other people's blood more than once. And this is something I could not bring myself to write. It was genuine, extreme horror. And I am just not willing to go there. there and you don't have to have been an ER nurse to not enjoy that kind of thing. There's, mm -hmm. 
There oh, is this. I'm saying that that makes me not too tender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you're did you're that saying, shit. but you've also seen a lot of stuff, and you don't yeah. want to have to see it again. You right. you like stop nursing, so you shouldn't have to <laughs> be exposing yourself to this kind of thing. But it's also there are just people out there that you know. We, maybe you can read it. I can read it. I can watch really gross horror movies because there is this line. But when you're like there are people that will watch videos of atrocities and it makes me physically ill and depressed to do that sort of thing. So I, I can't do that. Yeah. And that's the person you're talking about writing. And it's mm-hmm. not just somebody watching these these horrible atrocities, but, but also the cause of them. Yes. So I can, I can definitely relate to not wanting to have written that. Right, right. That's just, that is just not where I want to go. That's yeah. not where I want to take my career. So, and that moves us a little bit further into this. I let go of the book. I, I called my son. Um, he called me back when he wasn't driving. And we talked about it a little bit. And, and I explained to him where I hit my wall. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on an extreme horror thing right now for a contest that I want to enter. And I got to mm-hmm. do that first. But if there's no time limit on this, yeah, send it to me. And I would love to, you know, see if it's something I can do something with. Yeah, and I don't think he understood that you were giving it all over to him. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a, <laughs> a what, collaboration. Collaboration, yeah. Okay, so, so I want to kind of go over the difference between understanding a book that you're just having problems with um, and understanding a book that, that you really need to stop writing, let go of, and walk away from. And we touched on that just a little bit, but... First off, start with where you started with the book. Dead Man's Party for me was a a combination of novelty and experimentation. Um, I was doing... um, How to Write a Novel. Yeah, I was writing the How to Write a Novel course. I was demonstrating how to build an artifact. And uh, then I built the book from the artifact. And this is a way to come up with brand new ideas. And... It worked really, really well in my demo. And I came up with something I had never considered writing anything like in my life. And initially, in the first draft, it was fun. I I mean, I was whipping along at uh, one hour a week. uh, And I have the whole thing on video of me writing this one hour a week uh, in in the class. And it was just flying. The words were flying. I was getting a complete chapter every week in one hour. And uh, by the end of the class, I had finished the book. And, you know, it was cool. But as I was writing, the concept kept changing. It kept getting a little deeper, a little stronger, which happens when you are essentially pantsing with a parachute. And that, <laughs> that's what I was doing. Uh, and I was writing something completely unlike anything else I had ever written. This was novelty and experimentation. This was not love. Um paranormal romance, uh, urban fantasy romance, science fiction. That's my wheelhouse. That's where I live. That's my love. And this had little elements of that. This had little elements of science fiction with the AI. Um, But it also had cannibals and zombies. And it was post-apocalyptic, and I generally don't do post-apocalyptic. And it just kept getting darker. So it was just way outside my preferred genre. And 
way outside the books that I adore. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Alona Andrews, the that the collaborative team, in here as an example of what it isn't, what the Ohio novel kind of is. It was me writing towards something that I really wanted to do. This the other thing was me just discovering what the story wanted to be as it went along. And that is an entirely valid way to write. Yeah, you were you were free to anything that popped up in your head, so your muse went wide. It did. My muse went really wide, and there were some things. I love the world. Um, I, I found just a bunch of different kinds of things that I would be way open to writing again. Um, but my characters tend to come to life on me. So how does how do people apply this to what they're writing? You have to sit down and look at what you have in the genre, in, in the book. And you say, okay, well, what do I love about this? What do I really not feel attached to in this? And is there anything in it that I find actively repellent or repugnant or that is just kind of soul crushing? Um and there was, I'm trying to think of the other example where I did something that was just absolutely soul crushing. And, and because I have, I have done this to myself once before. Um, it was where Talismana went off the rails. And Talismana, yeah. I'm going to be able to bring back. Uh, because the first part of it was, was just right. But it, it just went down. It did. It went down the, the, villain who who made me hate him so much I couldn't write him path again again that's where I go is my villains get a little too real yeah for everybody it's 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 just kind of this thought of realizing where you broke your book or realizing where you broke your own personal aesthetic or um ethics and your own personal joy yeah. I think that some people for newer writers this might happen more often because maybe you're not entirely sure you have no clarity on what it is that you want to write or what it is that you feel like you need to get out. But well, yeah, there's a lot more experimentation in yeah. your writing when you're getting started. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're writing to a template, which I really don't recommend, because the the way you find the stuff you love is by experimenting. It's just, um, even, even, um, Albert Einstein and, uh, well, a lot of, a lot of other scientists have, have, have had experiments that go wrong. Uh, oh, yeah. Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, Albert Einstein was one of the ones that worked on the atom bomb and then was like, oh, wait, we shouldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a yes. theoretical thing. It was like this challenge for them. And then it became a, oh, um, yeah, um, since we can, should we? Yes. So, yeah. Followed by probably not, followed by will. <laughs> Guess we're kind of stuck with it now. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about fiction is uh, if you if you build the monster who would eat your soul, you don't have to keep him. Yes. <laughs> you can just you can just let that one go. Yeah. Um, and you have to experiment and you, th this is, this is how all new genres come into being is by writers experimenting with going off, off track 
or on how old genres. Yeah, or how, you know, a new take on a genre happens. It can be the same yeah. genre, but there there's these different feelings that different authors bring to different genres and yeah. it's it can be refreshing. So experimentation yeah. is really really fun. It's it's yeah, it's and part it's of the what your, lifeblood of fiction. Yeah. It's part of what your muse enjoys most about the thing is is coming up with the new stuff. Yeah. You know, and if you're not experimenting, you can end up in that that everything you write is is sort of a prearranged way of writing or right. the formulaic writing. It's it's easy to fall into those traps. And if you're experimenting, sometimes you're also going to run into things that you really didn't realize that you weren't going to write like to write. Right. There are things that you have inside of yourself that you don't know are there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain kinds of fiction can bring them out. And you can scare yourself with how, how dark some of the crap in you really is. How, how brutal and how purely evil the your understanding of the world can at times be and you just it's it is in fact a matter of ethics which you mentioned which is well do i or do i not want to be the person who puts that out into the world and that's not where i want to go with my fiction uh, and that was at the point where you know i i didn't give myself permission to walk away from it until matt looked at me and said well, what are you doing then yeah yeah, and at that point I went, oh, <laughs> you know, actually, that's a really fine question, and I don't have an answer. <laughs> so I need to stop this because I'm hurting myself. At that point you're saying, well, you know, is this hurting me to write? Is Am, am I in pain from writing this particular part of the book? Um, if you are, stop. Because this is not... You know, if you're having fun writing it, you're doing the right thing, no matter how grim or horrible or whatever it happens to be. But if it's hurting you to write it, you're you're going to hurt your writing. Yeah. You're going to hurt your love of the of the craft. You're going to hurt your your creativity. You're going to crush all of the stuff inside of yourself that wants to make cool things, because at the point where it's hurting you to write, you're not making a cool thing anymore. Yeah, and it's not about the bad that the, the, you know you're gonna have some scenes that are rough to write that's that's a completely different thing it's it's yeah. it's about the entire the, the book in its entirety right. and the villain has caused the entire problem that the earth is facing now um at least if it's still what it was as yeah. far as in the book and that is an impact that reaches the entire world that you're writing the entire book so that really became a a very heavily villain-centric book. If you're having a couple of scenes that you're crying at, that's not a bad thing. You know, right. I've I've had some really rough scenes that I've had to write. And sometimes you do have to just plow through those because mm-hmm. that's putting yourself on the page. That's that is is putting something that's incredibly important to you on the page for others to see and for others like you to know they're not alone. That's completely yeah. different. Yeah, and I have made myself cry with my own writing a bunch of times 
during the first draft, I'd be sitting there with tears running down my cheeks, writing stuff that was really hard to write Mm -hmm. and really honest and really painful. But it was a cathartic kind of writing. It was getting something onto the page that I needed to let go of. And it was right for the character and it was right for the story. And it didn't it didn't make me feel like I was poisoning myself. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good way to put it too, is that you, yeah. you feel ill at the thought of continuing writing it. You feel sick. You you feel depressed. You feel angry when you sit down and you're writing scenes. Any of those really, really strongly negative emotions um, really take a look at what you're writing and yeah. why you're writing it. And And I'm going to let you know that you can write anything Mm -hmm. you have within you the creativity and the power and the the capability to write any kind of fiction any genre any kinds of characters and and there so this is the thing this is the point where you have to look at yourself and look at what you can create which is absolutely everything and then take these words to heart just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you love. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what makes what brings joy to your life. Because if this isn't fun for you, you know, if this doesn't make you want to get up in the morning or stay up late at night or whenever it is that you have your best writing time, if this doesn't just bring you back to the table every day, it's the wrong thing for you. And that was where I was grinding through. And I had been grinding through for weeks, months. months. I had been grinding through for months. Yeah. Because I I had committed to finishing this thing. And, you know, this was going to be the revision for, for the upgrade of how to revise your novel. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And uh, I... I have to let go of that book because I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I am not the right person for that book. And it's <laughs> it's the kind of thing that Mark would like. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really, really is. It sounds like yeah. exactly something that he he would have kind of written himself. The, the funny thing here is that I am not the only person who has just taken this journey. <laughs> well, mine was a lot less strong than yours it was but it is still the same journey and you ended up making kind of the same mistake so or kind not it wasn't a choice yeah mine was a choice yeah Yeah, Yeah. mine yeah mine was a choice too so you ended up making this is volitional guys (laughs) this is this is where you look at you you say yes i can do this should i so you know give me your give me your wanda lucia versus thing well, again, this, is, this isn't exactly the same because yours was very experimental and you were walking into a genre yet undefined, and I knew mm-hmm. I was doing a romantic suspense. And the reason that I have been doing, the reason that I chose to do that was because I made a promise to Tony that I would submit something to a traditional publishing house and see if I, you know, could get published. Um the story was a little bit too heroin centric for that particular line. So, and, and the editor even said, which is not a bad thing. It just doesn't fit our line. 
so if looking at looking at that, the reasons for writing it is because I had been writing romance of some sort since I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I that had been my main focus, whether it was, you know, fan fiction or original fiction. Unless I was writing a screenplay, and even though and even a couple of my screenplays featured heavily, you know, on the romance side. Um, it was almost always romance or zombies, <laughs> <laughs> but my idea books were full of stories about Fulton Hills. And I knew at the time, you know, in my twenties, cause this is a, this is an idea I had when I was 19 years old and I knew I wasn't ready to write Fulton Hills yet. And there, there is such a thing as knowing that you're not ready to write something. Oh, yeah. Um, my first attempt came, what, like eight or nine years ago when I was doing a three-day novel and I tried to write the Fulton Hills novel in the three-day novel. And I have since lost this. Uh, I mailed the only physical copy to them because that's part of the three-day novel is if you finish it, then you mail it, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I mailed a physical copy to where they sh- you know, but I did not um, back it up, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is gone forever, which is not a bad thing because it was horrible. <laughs> um, and it and was... you don't want to be tied to that version. Yeah. 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 And, and so it, it kept sitting there while I w- wrote romance or erotica. And that was, that was more my safety net. And I also knew that if I was going to get published, it wasn't going to be my true, true love, because I have seen you go through the, the publisher owns the rights to your world and you cannot write in this world again until we no longer own it, but we're canceling your series. Right. Problems over and over and over and over again. So I was not going, I, I've never intended to give even a small portion of Fulton Hills to anybody. So when I, when I wrote, what? (laughs) Which is wise. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's just learning from somebody else's mistakes, which if you guys are out there, please learn from ours. You know, Mm -hmm. everything that we share on here. (laughs) But the, when I was writing Wanda Lucia, it almost felt like it was holding me down, like it was a weight pressing on me. And it wasn't not fun. It was, it was actually, you know, it was fun. It was it was intriguing. It was, you know, it was this romance suspense set in a small town. And I just, it was good. I just didn't have a passion for it. Right. You know, and, and I wrote the second book, which I had a little bit more passion because I really liked Brock and Angie. And I really liked, I really wanted to find out how they got together. That was important to me. And I haven't revised it. It's cold as hell now. I could probably go through it and revise it really well. (laughs) Um, and I still want to keep my promise to Tony. I'm still going to submit leaving Wanda Lucia, you know, to a couple more places just to get those rejection letters, but, or acceptance, whichever one I'm, I'm right. Yeah. Whichever. And if they want the other two stories, I, I have enough love for them to write them. So it's not the exact same situation you're in, but once I allowed myself that I was a decent enough writer, when you and Matt came back and said, this is good, this is genuinely good stuff, 
it kind of let this little lotus in me that has been growing since since I was 19, the lotus flower in the mud that is <laughs> Fulton Hills. It just kind of, you know, started to bud a little bit. And I was like, well, if Mom and Matt think this are, is good, good enough for a traditional publication to accept, then maybe it's time for me to take a shot at Fulton Hills. Can I say something here real quick? Yeah. The rejection that Becky got also included, please send us something else. So it yeah. was the best possible first, first fucking rejection you could ever have was, uh, this just doesn't meet our, our exact specifications, but please send us something else. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I had a hundred bad rejections before I got one of those. Yeah, but you also <laughs> didn't have a professional writer as a mother. Well, there is that. Yeah, so I, I definitely, uh, I can see why people would say in the Hollywood, like, oh, it's who you know or whatever, because it's it's not who I know that helped, but what I know because of who I know. <laughs> so, but it, it did, it, once I started diving into Fulton Hills um, and, and started finally creating this, enormous world which it, Fulton Hills is just one of the towns it's actually Fulton County and there's several different towns and a big city within Fulton County but Fulton Hills is is where everything starts it's where everything has has where the magic has leaked and led to all of the other towns and Fulton Hills is kind of like the epicenter of all of the issues that that come out of what has happened on the on on that land um and it's it's just the more i dive into it the more i start picking out all of these little things holly has what is called a mind map i think what yeah. is, but no yeah, a sweet well, spot map right right and, which is taking a mind map concept mm -hmm. and yeah you, you like her samples are uh, what I love, what I hate, what I, what gives me shivers, that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. then you draw lines and, and you write and you draw lines and, and you write. And my sweet spot map from 2008, I think, because the sweet spot map was part of how to revise or how to think sideways. I found that the other day because I've been doing decluttering and... The amount of things that I hit, I have not seen this thing in, in years and years since the last time I did my paper, my paperwork um, declutter, which is, God, five or six years ago. And I haven't written this thing on this thing since 2008. The amount of things that I have been hitting in Fulton Hills from my sweet spot maps is fucking insane. If <laughs> Yes. It, there is so much to get out of How to Think Sideways. The Sweet Spot Map is an amazing tool because it definitely helps. It's kind of like a, a if you use a bullet journal and you have a brain dump page. It's kind of that, that same concept, but in very, very centralized, very specific areas. And it just excited me all the more that I have hit all of these spots on that Sweet Spot Map. And if yeah. you guys have done one, I mean, you'll understand 
how weird it is. <laughs> I lost it one time and I, I had to redo it and I redid it. And then again, this was five or six years ago when I was doing the paper declutter. That's when I found the old one and I was like, hey, I didn't lose it. And just for shits and giggles, let me compare the the amount that was still on there. I mean, there, there are some things about you that you will grow, you will change, you will stop liking Barney when you start hitting, you know, your <laughs> Buffy. And then it it's there are some things that will change. But the underlying core of why you like certain things doesn't necessarily change. Yeah. And it's it was just an incredible experience. And writing in Fulton Hills has now made my muse decide that every idea I come up with, unless it's trying to be difficult, every idea I come up with, it's now trying to find a way to put it into Fulton Hills, no matter what it is. I said no vampires, and it's like, oh yeah, well, uh, I'm going to give you this, and we're not going to necessarily use the term vampire, but guess what this is? <laughs> and... It's in, unless, of course, I was open to the idea that one episode that we did, I was like, OK, fine. Give me give me a story for Fulton Hills. And it gave me World War Two. The yeah, the World War Two. Yeah, well, because you're amused, too, is a dick. Yes. <laughs> but I can it's tell you guys me. the difference between writing something that you have. You, you got to learn to let go of of things that maybe you once loved or once were excited about, too. And that, that can be hard because romance, erotica, that was a big part of my identity. It was a huge part because that's where I found the most success when I was writing the fan fiction and the erotica and romance. I mean, I'm still to this day getting people faving and uh, faving those stories and Aww. putting me on their author alerts. But it's like, <laughs> I don't write that anymore. That's, that's fan right. fiction. It's, But that just shows like, these stories meant something to people and I got a lot of success from that. So romance, erotica, that was all really deeply ingrained in my identity. But if you're labeling yourself like that, you're limiting yourself. Yeah, that, that is a beautiful point. If, if you have a dream to write some sort of big sweeping epic and you know you're not ready for it, that's one thing. But if... If you have this feeling that maybe what you're writing in, the genre that you're writing in, you're getting a little tired of, you want to try something new, follow that feeling. Mm -hmm. Don't don't let yourself lose valuable time that you cannot get back, valuable days, hours, weeks, months, years that you cannot get back, focusing on a genre that you are comfortable in. Yeah, exactly always bet on yourself always always take the gamble that you can do this better thing you're hungry for no matter how scary it is no matter how hard it might be to learn how to do it always always bet on yourself yeah and always feel free to ask for help we have the forums I, I mention this all the time. Holly talks about how much she loves our people. We oh really God. do have an <laughs> do. amazing, amazing community in there. And, and it's growing thanks to the podcast because people are, are more people are starting to find it. And they're starting to see how amazing these people are that Holly has had for years. Some of them have followed her from the <laughs> 90s. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of these people are 
publishing. A lot of these people are brand new and just trying to learn writing. So it's this wide range and you guys can go in there and say, this is the idea that I have. You don't have to give out your entire idea, but you can tell them this is a genre. This is kind of vaguely what I want to do, but I don't know how to break it down. And everybody in there that, that can help you will, will pitch in and say, oh yeah, this, you could try this. And everybody mm-hmm. has different processes. So they'll share. Oh, well, if that doesn't work for you, this is what works for me. It is right. a legitimate writing community and no politics, no religion, no, no flaming. So it's right. a safe so, space. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. And and we have moderators who will, by God, keep it that way. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, and they're nice <laughs> about it. I mean, they, they yes. are. They'll they'll remove the comment and let you know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's it, nobody's a dick. No, no, nobody is a dick by design. Uh, and we all like each other in there, man. It's a It's a really good place to hang out. So do we have a takeaway for this episode? We do. Okay, so let me just remind you guys, uh, I've had a couple of questions. If you want to support us, there are several different ways. Um, You can go to the coffee account, that is ko-fi.com forward slash alone. You can add support on a monthly basis. You can add it just one time. It's, It's in increments of $3, which is roughly what, you know, it's a coffee. So, and that is going towards the goal of my, my real goal would be transcripts of every single show, every single, uh, but that, that is going into the range of probably about $500 a month. And that's a big deal. So you guys know. Because neither of us can swing that. (laughs) No, absolutely not. We, we don't have that kind of money. And so that would be the ultimate goal, but I'm thinking that's going to take years for us to get to as far as the coffee account it might yeah yeah but uh, you know whew, they're, they're very expensive <laughs> and sometimes we do four or five episodes in a month so it, it's it would be very pricey uh but yeah you, you guys can support us that way even if it's just paying the the website bills the uh the akismet, which is a spam filter, you know, anything like that, any any sort of support, every dollar helps. Um, the other way, may I also add that Becky does not get paid for her time doing this. <laughs> so I would really love to be able to pay her, and donating to the coffee account would be part of that as well. <laughs> yeah, it 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 would it would just help. That's all, you know. I oh, I know God. with yeah. <laughs> The um the other thing would also be if you want you can go to the website uh, alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. On the top right there is a bar. It's five, ten, and fifteen dollar increments, and it's just got these cute little names like oh pa- casual listener, you know, listen to all the episodes, all the episodes more than once. It's it's just a, a cute little names, but you're just donating one time. It's not like a huge. You know, it, it, there's no obligation. All of the episodes will always be free. And we're, we're never going to do like little secret for members only episodes. Nothing like that. It's just I've had people ask, well, how can I help support you? And I know that we mentioned it before. Um, if, if you want, you can buy Holly's classes through the podcast affiliate links. If you're going to purchase any of her classes. And... All of those are ways to support the actual podcast, but literally sharing the podcast, sharing on socials, tagging oh, yeah. us on socials, 
Um, you know, using our, our hashtags on the social account, that would be great. Anything that can get other people to listen to us and join in to the community and really enjoy themselves and just spread us further would be amazing. Um, and you can follow us on the socials. It's holly.lisle on Instagram or Gallardo, that's G-A-L-A-R-D-O on Instagram or Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. It's at AIA rwip on twitter and it is alone in a room with invisible people on facebook uh any and all of those places trying to get a little bit better we also have a pinterest we also have a red bubble shop which if you want a coffee mug or a tote bag <laughs> or even just some stickers i got the stickers i love them i've i've got them in my my new bujo yeah and holly's using her air whip coffee cup right now to right hold now. her water <laughs> But yeah, so my water's cold and I don't like to touch cold things. Yeah, especially (laughs) in Ohio. In Ohio and it's cold in here. Yeah. So I think that's probably it. Again, if you guys want to support us, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Even buying through the affiliate links on the website, it does not cost you any more and it supports the podcast. It also lets Holly know where the um, purchases are coming from it's kind of like okay well this part is from the podcast so that's pretty cool it just helps her know so uh, i think that's probably enough of my rambling holly what is the (laughs) takeaway for today okay the takeaway here is to trust your gut you're you are so much better at this than you think you are and if you find yourself resisting the work and stalling and maybe panicking or feeling a little sick to your stomach or or kind of like you just can't move forward the problem may be the book not you and so explore the reasons for your resistance sometimes sometimes it's the book sometimes it's you and sometimes if it's you you just push a little harder you just take take a little bit more of a, of a chance you ask yourself some better questions go at it at a different angle come into the community ask them yeah, yeah and we have seven zillion different angles at which to approach any problem mm-hmm. uh in the community and 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 there are more every day but sometimes it's the book yeah and if it's the book give yourself permission to just walk away because you do not need to punish yourself with an albatross around your neck with pain that makes you unhappy with 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 god that's a cute cat sitting there staring at the screen yeah um you do not have to punish yourself uh you do not owe the world that book you you don't owe the world any book but you don't even owe yourself that book the book that's hurting you when you write it you get to say goodbye to that one yeah absolutely well i just want to say that we love you guys and we will be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming and have a wonderful writing week yeah (laughs) and we will see you guys next week yay